gabung 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 gitu Oh, we can do that. Gobble, gobble, goo, and a gobble, gobble, giggle. It is a week has elapsed. Or, no, a week has gone by since what was that? giving. <laughs> I don't even know how to take I don't even, like, where do we begin? Like, when you start out something like that, then where do you go? Well, I wanted something different. I didn't want to just go. Well, Good you... morning, Rochester. It's Grease and Glamour podcast here. So I just thought I'd gobble, gobble. Sounded like an Adam Sandler, start yeah. of an Adam Sandler song. Yeah, I wish that turkey only cost a nickel. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, we're, uh, any well, anyway, we are uh, welcoming you all back after a hopefully beautiful holiday that you all had uh, with friends and family eating some turkey. I know that I ate my share. How about you, Jay? Uh, I had none. What? You know, oh, are you I, one of those guys no, that has no, on Thanksgiving? Nope, didn't have anything. Actually, uh, laid on the couch with a horrible sinus infection while the family oh, went no. off to the relatives for Thanksgiving You're dinner. supposed to feed a cold. It wasn't a cold. It was a sinus infection. And I did not eat it. feed an infection. Did you get a turkey soup at least? Or I, I don't, anything for about like five that? days, I didn't eat anything. Oh, I just man. really, you know, when you lose your sense of taste, yeah, like what's the true. sense? Hey, we're going to have Thanksgiving. Well, yeah. What the hell's the difference? Otherwise, we'll eat cardboard. Right? It's going to be about the same true. thing. So yeah. what about you, Aaron? Rolls. I ate rolls. So we, we volunteered, and then we had a uh, a turkey dinner afterwards, which is good. Did you, you make the turkey? doing we what? We didn't. Let's, we, let's sorry. We volunteered serving oh, in, uh, very nice. in Leroy. Good and then job. we had a, uh, a turkey made by uh, Danny Wegman. Okay. So, personally? Yes, personally. Yep. Oh, <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. Our international listeners are wondering who's Danny Wegman. I know. And, and, you know, you joke about that, but we truly do have international listeners. I'm happy to announce that we have multiple listeners in countries like the United Kingdom. So a shout out to the UK, Sweden, Germany, South Korea. Right on. Uh, We are all over the globe. We are world. We are not just nationwide. We are worldwide. Getting out there. For our listeners in Sweden, go metal. You know, that's where metal is born. Swedish yeah. Swedish death metal and mm. Swedish meatballs. <laughs> yes, and in flames. By the Write way, us if I, you like in flames because I love them. I was at Ikea uh, just a few days ago. We, we After Thanksgiving, we drove to Chicago, and we went there because in Chicago they have the German Christmas markets um, like they have in Germany. So we went to check that out, do a little shopping around the city of Chicago weather wasn't super great but you know I was you know I'm all about the food and I was thinking about that every podcast we talk about food and everybody makes fun of me with the food and for our listeners out there that have not met us they must think that I'm like 800 pounds <laughs> from all the food that I talk about yeah I'm pretty sure that we don't all talk about food Mark I'm pretty yeah. sure it goes to you <laughs> all right well well <laughs> while we're on food let's talk about let's see I had the deep dish pizza there's this argument in Chicago about who's got the better deep dish whether it's Giordano's or Lumonati's and uh, I've had both and I would say my opinion I like them both they're both great I would definitely not snub my nose at either one but if I had to pick one over the other slight just by a slight notch, a win would be the Lumonati's uh, deep dish pizza. But then, of course, I had a Chicago hot dog. Any of you guys had a Chicago hot what's dog What's the before? difference between a Chicago hot dog and a... So a Chicago hot dog is a poppy seed hot dog bun, Oh. a Vienna hot dog, pickle sliver oh, that's about the same size as the hot dog, Okay. two slices of tomato, celery salt, and mustard. And two little jalapeno peppers on top. And you got to try and get all of those flavors in your mouth at once. So it's a challenge to try and when you bite into it to get every piece of that in each bite. Um, it's pretty good. Mm, I, don't pretty know. Good I don't know how I feel about the jalapenos you on know top. What? It, I don't know. Man. I, I do know this. They do have good food in Chicago. Yeah. I was there with my son to go to a concert and ended up at the Chicago, I forgot what they call it, the food they block it off like you know it's like six miles okay of uh-huh. absolutely fantastic i and i have to be honest i'm not a fan of the deep dish pizza what yeah no it's like pizza soup for me i'm like every time i get it i'm always like 
I let me see if I like this again and never. I mean, I will definitely change. not say that a deep dish pizza is my preferred pizza over a, a New York style, a boardwalk style, mm-hmm. even a Rochester style pizza, which I quite frankly think that upstate New York has somewhat of their own take on pizza. It's a little different than what you get everywhere else, mm-hmm. but it's good in its own right. I mean, it, it almost, you, you could almost not even, uh, pair it up against other pizzas it's a it's its own kind of entree i think so it's like okay. franco-american spaghetti and regular spaghetti oh, I like indifferent people. well yeah so do i i get yeah. yelled at a lot about that i was like how can you like that i go well i don't think of it as spaghetti yeah, yeah. so i guess if you think of that like like the that. deep dish maybe that's that's the case like i'm sure the ingredients are great and stuff it's just like it's just too much going on but also new york style for me the the thin crust you know uh, and i don't really like Oven, oven baked pizza. So, yeah. what pizza do you like? None of those. Okay. That's it. I mean, pretty much well, anything else, we're good to go. So, I'm from Jersey, and you know, there's nothing like a big boardwalk slice of pizza where you have to fold it to eat it, yep. and then the grease kind of runs through the middle of the pizza into your mouth, kind of get you know, <laughs> get you primed to take that first <laughs> bite of uh, cheese and dough. And, you're like, that sounds terrible. Yeah, because I was like, starting a food show. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you're on your own on that one. <laughs> have you ever Aaron, had um, tomato out. pie from like Utica? Yes. Do you like it? I do. It's I'm, not cooked. It's not it's, cooked. So yeah. I'm not. It's, it's, I'm not it's, feeling the tomato. But it's pie. not a. It's not pizza. It's not. It's, it's not, not pizza. pizza. So by the way, it's you know I learned because Aaron's from Utica, but I I learned from some of our Utica customers. It's not, I always thought it was like, you know, it's tomato pie. It's not tomato pie. It's it's tomato pie. Like you have to say, it's tomato pie. Tomato yeah. pie. And tomato it's, pie. it's great. It's on this really doughy. I'm not a fan of it. The, with the sauce and it looks like Parmesan. They've had it for years. They yeah. used to have it at 7-Elevens and grocery. I mean, when I was yeah. a kid, I remember getting them at like the corner store, you know. Absolutely fantastic, but I don't consider it pizza. So I'm so. not a yeah. fan of tomato pie, but I but in Utica because there's a, a large Italian population, they have some really good Italian bakeries, and uh, that, that I they enjoy. do. The yes. Italian bakeries are really you know, good. and right here, we're blessed with some great Italian bakeries as well. Yeah, that means some long standing. Oh yeah, yeah. Leo's. Yeah. Long. Uh, I you know I like Leo's, but I don't consider it an Italian bakery. I think you know you look at. Like DePaulo, I, I mean, there's just so many that have like rich history that've been here for 50, 60, 70 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, this is because he started the way he did. This is where <laughs> we're All right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I'm driving. Well, all those Swedish listeners just, you know, like I'm not listening. To <laughs> so I'm driving to uh, Chicago, gassing up, and I'm. I'm, I'm at the pump and you know even though I've been in this business a long time I've never dared putting anything but premium in my vehicle that requires premium gasoline it's just how I was raised yet uh, the allure of putting regular in I can't deny the fact that it's there sometimes because I have had countless talks with auto technicians customers uh, car sales people uh, engineers all these people there's this, there is really a great debate as to the whole gasoline thing. So, you know, what octane do you put in your car? Does it matter? Now you've got this added thing of the last, you know, 20 years with, with ethanol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so what is it all about? So I was thinking <clears throat> maybe we should do a podcast where we shake it out a little bit and not get too technical and not go into, you know, too much scientific uh, research on it because... I just, quite frankly, wouldn't have the time to do all the scientific research. But from what I know, from what I've read, maybe from what you guys know or what you guys have seen, um, what does it all mean with um, with different uh, octane fuels and, and what do you put in your car? And I think that's, you know, a lot of people ask that when they're, when they're buying a car from us, you know, what fuel do I put in my car? Um, and I mean, most cars, it'll, you know, say it in the owner's manual, mm-hmm. it'll say it on the gas tank itself. But I think it's a, it's a common question people ask. Yep. It's on when you open your gas tank. So some cars will recommend an octane and other cars will require 
a, a minimum octane. Mine's a recommend. Yeah. yeah. And and there is a, and there's an important difference because when when it's a recommend, so <clears throat> really what it boils down to is you have most cars that do not require premium fuel uh, won't even benefit from premium fuel. So uh, a lot of your domestic cars, uh, a lot of your Asian imports, they will be running on regular, you know, 89 octane mm-hmm. fuel. And you putting in 92 is probably not going to benefit the car at all. Um, with a, say, a European import where most of them have a required minimum octane of, I think, 89 or 91, where you are then to put the premium fuel in. Those cars, I found through researching, and this is not what I always thought, but I found through research that it really is rather important that you run premium fuel in that car. Now, the elephant in the room is it's 30 cents more a gallon right now for premium over regular. And is that what, a... What cars are those, Mark? You know, <clears throat> give me an example. Just to, like, you know, I'm thinking, is it the Audi? Is it yep. what? Um... Any of the Audis, BMW, excuse me, <clears throat> Mercedes, they are all uh, premium fuel only vehicles. And that is because... Whoops. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Uh, I know. <laughs> never happens. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not the only one, um, but I'm going to tell you reasons as to why you may reconsider. Um, because the the thing is, this is these cars are um, very high compression engines, and premium fuel is designed for these high performance engines. And it's the way that the fuel burns at higher octanes versus lower octanes that makes the difference. And the lower octane regular fuel can ignite faster than the premium. And that's where you can wind up potentially doing damage to your engine. Now, the problem with it is, is that most people, it's not a night and day, it's not a, it's not an overnight difference. Uh, You can notice an overnight difference, by the way. You could put regular in your car and it could not run as well as you remember it running. Mm -hmm a week ago when you had put premium in it but it's those are subtle changes it's over time where uh where it potentially could show so like i was when i was doing kind of some research into it um i found that you know if you don't put the recommended one in and say you put a lesser grade than what you're supposed to it kept telling me that you can hear like a knocking in your engine what what is that knocking the, that they're referring the knocking to? is um the actual ignition of the fuel okay to, uh before it hits the spark plug so it's actually igniting sooner than it should that's what causes the knock okay um that over time you're doing damage you're potentially doing damage to your engine unlike a regular unlike a car that takes regular fuel regular unleaded gasoline uh the benefit of premium there really isn't one but if you have a premium fuel car and you put regular in it you actually may not be saving as much as you think you are because your fuel efficiency over time is going to decrease Mm -hmm. so um yeah see for my car it's a recommend and really the difference when as i was doing the research too was really about getting up zero to 60. Mm -hmm. it's like I'm I'm off by a you know a, a part of that because it's just it's not getting jumping fast. not yeah. just getting me but I never notice it now the other car now I think I better go put it in um, <laughs> no we've never had an issue with it there's no knocking there's no sounds yep. there's nothing of that um, and and my wife does put it in every once in a while she'll 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 switch it out maybe she puts it in more than than I know but I know every time I get it I'm so used to just grabbing regular that's where it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's this article by uh, James, um, I'm going to probably butcher the name, uh, Sapienza, okay? And he, he kind of laid out a little bit about fu- the different types of fuel and, and why it's important to run premium in cars that require premium. <clears throat> Many performance and luxury cars need premium fuel because they have higher compression engines. This means that the engine was designed to handle higher octane fuels to burn that burn hotter and leaner 
than regular. If the engine doesn't use the fuel it was designed for, it can start to knock, Aaron. And if it starts to knock, you'd better shut the car off because it could self-destruct. I think that's a that's little bit of an overkill. <laughs> wow, that yeah. is dramatic. Probably isn't going to do that, but knocking occurs when the fuel detonates before it reaches the spark plug. Remember, an engine is built to handle controlled explosions. If things aren't exploding where they sh- where they should be, makes sense. You get the idea, and that's what this article talks about. So, um, <clears throat> so I do think that you lose fuel efficiency over time. I also think it's important to note, and even though, interestingly enough, what I've read is that it doesn't seem to matter at least as much if you have a regular a regular unleaded gas car and putting premium in isn't really a, a tremendous, there really isn't much benefit, but premium fuel also has better and more detergents in it than regular fuel. And those detergents are important because of uh, carbon buildup and those sort of things mm-hmm. that we also, in in the automotive repair industry, we are seeing more and more of these sure. days. Um, the reason we're seeing more and more carbon buildup problems is um, because of the um, direct injection ignition that the direct injection that is in most in a lot of engines now almost every car company has at least a couple of their models their engines are direct injection engines and what the what that means is that in a i guess for lack of a better term and without getting too crazy here if it's a non-direct injection engine the way cars used to be you know after carburetors when fuel injection came out the fuel injector would spray fuel on top of the um valve in the in the cylinder head okay so your intake and exhaust valves would get the fuel sprayed on top of it that's how the fuel delivery was what was really good about that is that that fuel kept soaking the valve and kept it clean kept carbon from building up on it Mm -hmm. but what they realized later on is that with direct injection they could get cars to have much better fuel efficiency because they deliver the fuel directly into the cylinder as opposed to shooting it into the top where the valve is. The the plus is now you have a car that can get better gas mileage. It's more efficient. However, you're now not washing the valve uh, with gasoline and therefore carbon buildup is, is much more possible. So we are doing a lot of services now on cars where we actually have to um, take the intake off and we walnut blast the inside of the of the chamber where the valve is. So here's a question for you. So we're talking about octanes and all that. What about, what is it, uh, ethanol? Mm-hmm. So is ethanol just in the regular or is regular unleaded or is that in <clears throat> premium as well? And does that affect so everything? Ethanol, you know, ethanol is a huge debate and it's actually one of the debates uh, about why should I bother putting premium in when premium and regular unleaded both have ethanol in it, and ethanol... Yeah, that was my question. Ethanol is very good for the environment, and it's very good for our agriculture because it's corn. made from corn and, and, and those types of things. Um, but it's not really optimal for your engine's performance, so you actually get better gas mileage without the ethanol in the gas. But <clears throat> most gas that we buy is E10, so that's 10% of that the gas is ethanol in some places they have it as high as 15 and uh and they also have you'll see sometimes at the gas station you'll see e85 mm-hmm. and e85 is something you cannot put yeah in a regular car you can only put that in a car that has flex fuel uh like some of a lot of the fords right. you know they have flex fuel okay um some other car brands have flex fuel there's some uh cool apps that you can get it'll tell you where you're getting pure gas really yeah even in the area when i looked in our area here i really only found four or five stations that sell gas with no ethanol wow right it, and if you if you put gas in your car with no ethanol you will see uh, a pretty you'll you'll see a substantial i mean it's more money it's mm-hmm. another 20 or 30 cents over premium to get non-ethanol gasoline 
but you also see a, a spike in your fuel efficiency. But, you know, people probably can't sustain that for too long. So you have to keep going back to the same gas station yeah. for that stuff all the time. I remember Delta Sonic. I don't think they have it anymore. They used to have 100 octane racing fuel mm-hmm. that you could put in your car. Oh, wow. And occasionally we would we would take some of the cars, like some of the Porsches and stuff down there, and we'd, we'd pump them full of 100 octane racing fuel. Um so anyway, you know, ethanol, this is where the problem comes in. Ethanol is in the gas. So there's even technicians out there that say, you know what, since ethanol is in premium and it's in regular, you know, kind of who cares? It's all garbage. It's probably the wrong thinking, though. It's, it's, if you really do the research and you, and you read all the articles, it's pretty unanimous that premium fuel is what you need to put in a car that requires premium. But, fuel. you know, today, you know, the way I look at it is, why there's got to be a way to make it so that way you don't need that premium because it really is just a cost issue at, at, at the end of the other end of it whether it's good for the car or not can't believe we haven't figured this out yet mm-hmm. like we need to have all these different uh, let's not say we did yeah well if it were you know i if it were up to me i would love to see everything be diesel <laughs> because that's you know in europe uh so Interestingly enough, in different countries, it, not everything is like it is here. And with a lot of things, uh, in the, if you live in the United States, you feel like if it's that way in the United States, it should be that way everywhere. But uh, Brazil, for example, 87% of their automobiles run on E85 or higher ethanol gasoline. So their wow. cars are almost all ethanol with only a little bit of gasoline in it. And that gasoline's only there for cold start, which in Brazil, I don't know how many cold start things yeah. they have. But anyway, uh, so it's almost all ethanol. Whereas here, very few cars are more, very few uh, gas options here are more than the E10. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you go to the flex fuel, the E85 stuff. Um, but in Europe, you'll see a lot of diesels. That's because petrol prices in Europe are so high. Canada as well. Oh, my gosh. It's Through the crazy. Yeah. So people buy diesels over there because it was a cheaper option. And uh, over there, diesel is still a bit cheaper than gasoline. Over here, it isn't anymore. Yeah. I, you know, i got to be honest, Mark. I, I'm hoping at some point that we do get to the electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, full it's time, not, full out. It, but it's not all answered there either because the electric has its own set of problems, right? Number one, you're only running right now. I think the the best electric cars are four or five hours on a charge. So, you know, if I get in if I get in my car and I drive four hundred miles or three hundred and eighty miles, then I have to just stop in a gas station and gas up on back on the road. If I'm in my electric car, I'm having to park myself somewhere for two to three hours to to charge it yeah, back. Yeah, there's it definitely challenges. Little, yeah. there, there's challenges as far as, you know, with with usability of that. There's uh, with infrastructure. Do we have enough charging stations and things? But I think if you look at it, <coughs> if you look at it, you got to think that's where we're probably headed. And, and you think technology is going to get us to that point at some point um, to, to handle all that. So that way there is batteries that will last for the 12 hours or, or whatever it happens to be. Because I just look at, in, you know, just in fossil fuel and energy efficiency and, uh, you know, ozone and all that other stuff, I think we got to address it. I, I know our president doesn't like to address it and think it's, it's the situation, but all those emissions – definitely causing an issue well yeah i mean ethanol is supposed to be the answer to that so ethanol is the best for our environment Mm -hmm. Um, and it's also you know when you have a large agricultural community here in the united states and they probably have a pretty large lobby in washington (laughs) that probably doesn't hurt uh in seeing all this ethanol in cars uh so uh that that plays into it too i'm sure but you know with diesel you have your your engines run run longer and even though people do not generally think this but it is it is a fact the clean diesels now Mm -hmm. are very much better for the environment 
than any of the gasoline cars. Even with the little bit of soot that they still can emit from their tailpipes. Compared to everything else. Yeah. The clean emissions that are coming out of a gasoline car are worse for the environment than the dirt particles coming out of the diesel cars, which there isn't much of anyway, but you know, these clean diesels now don't really have that coming out. But I remember back in the eighties, you know, a diesel you'd see the back of the car would be black. Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> I think that's still like a common misconception too. You don't realize that it's it's much cleaner nowadays than it is. Diesel is a better fuel source. Still more I expensive. Think. It's still it's still a little more expensive, but you get better gas mileage. And you have the ability to run your engine for, uh, the engines can last a lot longer. Mercedes did a, uh, a test, and they, on a diesel engine, without having to replace anything, got 900,000 miles over uh, wow. uh, on, on one engine in a Mercedes running diesel. Wow. And I, I think the noise pollution really isn't there like it used to be, too. You couldn't even, for the most part... You can still feel a few characteristics from a diesel, uh, but nothing like before. I mean, they are quiet. They're not rumbly. Yeah, we're getting better at stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, and, I think, and they have a lot of torque. I mean, diesel, that's why all the big trucks are diesels. So they have a lot of torque. They can pull a lot of weight. They can, you know, and so I think all of that is great. But I, I don't think diesel is where we want to be. Um, at least in this country, uh, electric car is probably where it's going. Um, another thing that people have asked me about a lot is, are you guys familiar with the eco start on the cars? Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, most people don't really like that sensation of pulling up at a stop sign or a, or a traffic light and your engine shuts off. I know the first time that happened to me, I was like, oh my God, what did I do? I didn't touch anything. <laughs> It's kind of a weird thing to be yeah, in one is. like I, I still I'm you know so let's have it always quiet never on or let's just have it on you know <clears> what well, I mean like yeah. when it first came out for me it was so hard for me to wrap my head around why this was a good idea because almost everybody has grown up learning that constant shut off and starting of your engine was bad for it and. Mm-hmm consumed more gasoline than if you just let it idle. I don't know if you'd have, if you had heard that growing up either one oh, of you. Yeah. Yeah. But that was always a thing for me. Oh, just let it run. It's using less gas by just running there for a couple minutes than if you shut it off and start it back up. Yeah. And if you shut it off and start it back up enough times, you're really stressing the starter uh, and then you're going to ruin your starter. So you kind of really limit how much you you know stop and start an engine and this comes out and i'm going how in the world is this a good idea and then i see that pretty much every car now either has its standard or it's just in the second tier of options and it's on the car so most cars have adapted to this thinking of the eco start so i started reading about it and going i just don't get it's not it's just it's not in my brain uh well, turns out that all along our thinking, it's kind of like, you know, is coffee good for you or bad for you? You know, well, depends. Butter was good once, then it was bad. And margarine, don't ever have it now. Oh, you got to have it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, parquet. There you go. <laughs> Butter. Uh, so, it turns out that it was wrong all along. Shutting off your car and restarting it when it's not cold, if the engine's already warmed up, if you shut your car off and restart it, it's actually more efficient. In fact, they've discovered that by using the Eco Start and having the shut off when you're at a light increases your fuel efficiency by 4%. Uh, I like the feel of my 2008, got to be honest. But, but how does it work? Like, I mean, here we don't have a lot of traffic and you're stopped at a light for, you know, a couple, you know, 10, 20 seconds. And does it really over the long haul work like as opposed to if you were like in a big city like New York or it it would be certainly more it would be more effective in a big city where you're doing a lot more start and stops and you're sitting at those lights for longer. But on average, they've tested it. It's four percent more fuel efficiency back to you by having it. And some car brands are even saying that it gives you 10 percent. 
more fuel efficiency by having it. So that still doesn't uh, answer my question about the starter and the wear and tear on the engine. And they're putting these very heavy duty starters in cars now. And you know, I it never dawned on me, but I think about it. We used to replace starters uh, all the time. I mean, we used to replace starter motors all the time and we very rarely have to replace yeah. starters anymore knock on wood yeah, yeah. <laughs> starters and oh, alternators start. that's happened before <laughs> you, you know i mean the car repair industry is changing starters and alternators and shocks are not things that we are replacing like we used to and i mean we used to replace this stuff where we would have a room full of starters and alternators and shocks and these things that mm-hmm. um you know, we're getting replaced all the time. The other thing is, by the way, you know, with diesels, another thing back to the diesel thing was diesels don't require tune-ups nearly as much as gasoline engines. They don't have spark plugs, number one. Mm-hmm. So you still got some filters and that kind of thing you have to change out once in a while. But, um, you know, I, I would love to see diesel still be a really strong option here in this country. I think that the diesel is getting knocked out by the electric car. I think that the German car companies tried very hard to make diesel the answer for for the for their vehicles, but it it wasn't something that it seemed like people over here were really grabbing onto. Um, so anyway, so it's going to wind up being E10 ethanol regular or e10 ethanol premium or if you have a flex fuel car by the way you can run anything like a flex fuel car that you can run e85 (laughs) you can run e85 one day and then you can put a fuel uh, a full tank of non-ethanol gas in it the next day and you can switch back and forth okay um but definitely do not put e85 in a car that is not a flex fuel car because that engine will will not run right uh with that so we're talking about premium now i'm thinking about my car of course in my head i'm like wow am i ruining that thing nah i'm not sure so there's premium then there's ultra premium yeah so it's just like talking about the 100 octane racing fuel down at delta sonic right uh if you're in a car that so if you're in a car that recommends premium you probably are okay running regular because they didn't feel strong enough that that engine had such high compression that it needed above a certain octane. So if you have, and you should look, because I'm honestly with your car, I'm not 100% sure. I actually think you're right. I think your car is a recommended. Uh, my Mine, the one I drive now, my wife's, is the Q5. The Q5 is required. Oops. Well, there we go. <laughs> the Infinity is potentially it's recommended. Recommended. It is definitely recommended. Hers, you know, I, I think the good news is, we can probably switch it out and we'll probably be just fine. Yeah. yeah. What's the, I'm, te- I'm texting her right now to let her know. <laughs> no. Let's do the math for a minute here. I'm actually going to do this on my phone while while we're sitting here talking. I hope this doesn't um, shed any light on how bad I am at math. But I'm horrible uh, at math. So if you have, um, so if, let's say the average car, and I mean this, uh, the average car gets 25 miles per gallon as an average. Let's just say. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So in one one gallon, there's you get 25 miles, right? Yeah. So far, I'm with you. Yep. Okay. How many gallons in a tank typically? 17 to 20. I was going to say yeah. 16 to 18 somewhere yeah. in there probably. I mean, I think the Q5 is about that. I'm not really that. sure how we're going to get to this number. Um, so if you put if you put an average of 15,000 miles on your car a year, that's how many gallons of gas? So you have 15,000 miles, right, divided by 25, right? Sure. Yeah. That's 600 gallons of gasoline a year. Does that sound about right? We'll fact check this after the podcast. If no, it we isn't won't. right, if it isn't right, we're going to eliminate listen, it from the podcast. Listen, I'm just telling you, it's, not, it's probably not right. We're not going to fact check it. No. Well, Y'all just grab your calculators on your own. If you have 600 gallons, and in each gallon you get 25, so 600 gallons times 25. Where are we going with this, Mark? 000. Here's where I'm going with it. 600 gallons. Yeah. 600 gallons at 30 cents equals, whoops, 600 uh, times 30 cents 
is $180 a year more to put premium in your car that requires premium. And for that $180, you are getting a high-performance, well-engineered It sounds like he's car. trying to sell me Corinthian leather. Remember that? It is like Corinthian leather. It is. That doesn't it's worth seem it. like that, that much, though. It's not and that much. It, it really sense. isn't. It, it isn't You know, listen, much. if you're driving huge distances all the time, yeah. then yeah. it's going to it's gonna rack up. And by but, the but way, for normal day-to-day, you're probably right. It's probably worth it, yeah. especially with gas prices currently going down. Yeah. yeah. Because you got to understand, I personally, I don't think they're ever going back up because they've all figured out if we don't keep these prices down, we will have electric cars by next year yes. and we won't have any revenue. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? Because... Right. Because well, that, yeah, that's wanna... what seems to be happening. Because I was like, oh, gas prices. Not... Oh, we yeah. just cut a deal. Yep. <laughs> there it is. So. Well, definitely politics plays into oh. uh, the advancement of things. So, I mean, I think we could be much further along in certain things. And car companies would be much quicker to the gate with these electric cars. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've got oil companies. You've got a, other lot of, oh. a lot of people in the game here. It's like people in the paving business. Really? You haven't figured out how to keep that road from getting potholes every single year? Every year. Every year we're yeah. going to fill it up, oh, and it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Right. Politics. Now, what about, so, especially this time of year, it's getting cold, um, and people that don't necessarily fill their gas tanks up, say they leave it at a quarter or lower than that, what about gas tanks freezing? Oh, that's a really good point, because uh, cars with ethanol have a chance of the gasoline breaking down uh, easier than if you are using non-ethanol gas. So even though this doesn't answer your question, if you had a, let's say a motorcycle, for example, that runs on unleaded gasoline, and you're not going to run that motorcycle all winter long, your last, when you store that motorcycle, just like if you store a car for the winter, and you fill that thing up, which is what you're supposed to do, don't store that vehicle with half a tank of gas in it, you want mm-hmm. to store that vehicle with a full tank of gas in it. Put non-ethanol pure gasoline in there because that will break down much slower than any gas with ethanol in it. Yeah, and if you're here in upstate New York, yeah, that could be eight months of freezing yeah, cold. Right. Just yeah. you know, and it's as, probably going to break down. And then as far as regular driving, yeah, I mean, the, no, a lot of people don't follow this rule. Some do. I don't. Uh, I try to, but. You know, a quarter is empty mm-hmm. because on newer cars, probably not going to be a big deal. You could run that thing right down to that last five miles and play that game and you'll probably be okay. But uh, on older cars, there's there's sediment, there's dirt that gets kind of sitting at the bottom of the tank, especially uh, since a lot of, especially since now there aren't so many, uh, exact intervals for doing tune-ups. Um, whereas before we would know at, at 30, 60, 90, 120,000 miles, we'd be recommending to customers to replace their fuel filter. Sometimes they are not getting replaced as often as they should. And if you are always going down to empty, you're running the risk of picking up some of that dirt and sediment and getting it through the filter it clogs up the fuel pump um, and you could ruin your fuel pump Um, even worse if you had water in your gas moisture collecting in your gas which can happen too for a number of reasons you can do more than ruin your fuel pump you can even ruin your engine Mm -hmm. Um, which leads me to another thing and it's somewhat of a debate as to whether this is a myth or not but I'm still going to go under the assumption that um, there's a little something to it If you go to a gas station and you see the gas tanker truck, they're filling the tanks. You may want to avoid that gas station uh, at that time because what's happening, the theory is, okay, now this is, uh, there's opinion. A lot of people are saying there's not, there's no strong argument for it, but for me, it just seems logical. These tankers, they put the big, you know, the, the big hose down into the, the fuel tanks. They start pouring the fuel into the tanks. What are they doing when they do that? They're taking all the stuff that's at the bottom of the tank and it's stirring it all up. So even though these tanks are very heavily filtered, um, the, the gasoline that most of these gas stations are using are very, you know, refined 
really well. It's good quality gasoline, but you still run the risk of sediment moisture that's sitting at the bottom of the tank is now getting stirred up in that gas. And if you're pumping while he's putting it in or right after he's put it in, you put, you have at least some potential, even if it's small, of picking up um, sediment from that gas station. I never thought of that. So, no, I mean it, it makes right? it makes sense that that could be the issue. There's a it's a it's a it's a it's a theory that doesn't sound far fetched. It sounds reasonable to consider, and there may not be any evidence that it's true, um, but. It's like, hey, you know what? There's enough gas stations around. So unless you really yeah. need gas, go to I the mean, one if you're the on street. five miles to empty, <laughs> take your chance yeah. and go gas up there. But if you don't need to, go to the other gas station where they're not filling the tanks at that moment because um, you let that gas settle a little bit. And that way you're getting the stuff that's at the top of the tank. It's it's fresher. You don't have anything mixing with it, that kind of thing. Um, I'm in. Yeah, why yeah. not? Why not? What's the, you know, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Listen, I've been running without premium. <laughs> I probably should do that at least. Not to mention, probably. we should talk about the smell of gasoline because I still love the smell of gasoline. I don't care for it. Yeah, I, yeah, not so much. Really? I mean, I just the smell of gasoline is so good. <laughs> <sighs> this is where we ended up. We, we ended up with food. food. Right there, man. I love the smell of gas. Like it just. Like when he said it, the way he said it was creepy, right? Like, like, uh, like he sniffs the yeah, gas. I'm like, oh, it's I'm a little of... concerned. Like, I gotta go check my gas cap <laughs> when I leave here. Pick the wrong. I wonder. Stop sniffing glue, right? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on with Mark? Uh, so, um, Aaron, uh, what's in the news today? Okay, so well, on the track of smells. Um, for most people, the smell of new car is, um, you know, favorable. But in China, the new car smell is something a big part of customers are not happy with. Ford actually report reportedly filed a patent application for a solution to that problem. Ford's process of removing the smell includes a high temperature baking of the interior until the odor disappears. The patent involves parking the car in the sun, opening the windows, and turning the heater fan off. I thought you were going to say baking cookies. Baked cookies, <laughs> car smell, would and be we better. just keep going there. <laughs> I will go on record right now. We had this conversation before we started rolling tape, and that was, I am not a fan of the new car smell. And I'm I not am. just saying that because yeah, I like I'm it. a pre-owned car <laughs> sales <laughs> place. Yeah, this is coming from the guy who loves the smell of gas. Yeah. <laughs> like I, like I, I, like I, I think about. Listen, we 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 do. We had this conversation. New car smell isn't like you know a fragrance. You know that comes from like petunias. It's it, it's all chemicals. Yeah, it is. It's it's the combination of chemicals, cleaners, right? You know, yeah. The, the carpet workers chemicals. workers sweat. I don't know. There's something <laughs> you know that, that that it's there and it makes it this smell. I just don't know what it is. We sell used cars, but it's just something about maybe it's just a a car smell. Like you know, you get those air fresheners too, and just I like those air fresheners See, in a car. I do not like any kind of air fresheners in cars because I think they're so strong. They are uh, strong. I, I'm not a big fan of those. I don't like new car smell. I just like a car to smell like baked cookies. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, uh, can I get that gas smell, please? That, that I'll take gas the Swedish fragrance, meatball one. The Swedish <laughs> egg salad sandwich and jello. <laughs> How did he start the show? Well, well, how did that go? I can't even do it. How do you do it? Gobble, gobble, gobble. 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 That's not what you did. <laughs> I know you added some stuff. Like, it was just gobble, gobble, gobble. I think. I didn't know. even, I didn't even actually, you know, I guess I'll have to do it on the back end of the show where I thank everybody for being a listener and, and um, you know, tell them a little more about Universal Imports and Grease and Glamour. But let's get back to Aaron. Okay. So, uh, so Mazda announced that it is offering a retrofit upgrade to add Apple CarPlay and Android Auto to vehicles 2014 and newer. These features are currently on new vehicles as of this year. Eligible models must have the Mazda Connect infotainment software to run both Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. The upgrade costs $199, not including dealership labor costs, and also includes faster charging USB ports. Actually, I'm seeing this as a trend. Uh, and you said Mazda? Mazda, yep. 
not just Mazda. A lot of car companies are actually um, Acura is doing it too. If you think about it, most of this stuff like Apple CarPlay, that's all just software stuff. So they can add that, mm -hmm. right? They've already got the hard drive in the car, so they just have to go in and do some reprogramming. And I think that that's... I like the Android Auto because I'm not a Mac yeah. or Apple, so it would be great. Yeah. I know we a lot more cars seem to have the, you know, uh, the Apple stuff. So it's always good when I hear the, the Android yeah, we're getting there. You know, by the way, going talking about Apple CarPlay and Android CarPlay, also on the way back from Chicago, I was having a heck of a time with the car's nav system. Um, was not updated all the way. So in Chicago, around Chicago, they are changing all kinds of roads and exits. And this thing just had me. I was, you know, I was in the middle of this open field at one point. It didn't make any sense. Um, so I did this. We talked about it during our nav podcast. I did this competing navigations. I had my Apple CarPlay on the center screen with Google Maps telling me where to go, all the while having my app, my my Audi Maps also telling me the same thing and trying to see which one was more accurate. And the Google Maps did come out on top on that. Yeah, see, I had an issue in Albany yeah. last week, two weeks ago, with with Google. Literally took me past the, the street. Google? The Google map, yep. Took me past the street. Said, oh, now you got to make a U-turn. So I make the U-turn. I'm like, I must have went. So yeah. now you got to turn left here. Well, I could have turned right. Yeah. And it, it took me literally like four and a half miles past and said, oh, you better. <laughs> Jeez. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm over all the nav systems at this point. Yeah. They're, they're all letting me down. Just get out the paper map while you're driving. I mean, people read newspapers while they're driving. They do. Why not read the map? <laughs> we did talk about that as well. <laughs> we did. <laughs> you got anything else, Erin? Um, so one more article, and it's on the, the self, self-driving vehicles, which we, you know, keep discussing. So Waymo, Google, and parent company Alphabet's self-driving car subsidiary are planning to launch the first self-driving taxi service in the next two months. The service will launch in Phoenix first, according to the Silicon Valley Business Journal. The service will consist of two separate re revenue streams, one where riders have a self-driving Chrysler Pacifica minivan for a ride, and another from businesses that will carry customers to and from their stores. Waymo will initially work with Avis Car Rental, AutoNation car dealerships, and Walmart. Google's Waymo has long been considered the leader in self-driving cars and has been in the ground, sorry, on the ground in Phoenix for years now. You know where I'm going. I'm with you. I'm just not a fan of any any self-driving, any of this stuff. Like I always say, everybody who's listening, doesn't even matter if they're in another country, they know the exact same thing I'm talking about. If you've got a laptop, you've got a computer, you got to turn it off all the time to reset it because it's always doing something it shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that's okay when I'm in my dining room, but when I'm out in the middle of the road you know, and it goes I, wrong. I'll tell you, from some of the newest features that are on cars of the last uh, five or six years, side assist, which a lot of cars have now, blind spot monitoring, that is awesome. Love it in my car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, I think, everybody can agree is... It's a good feature. You know... When heated seats came out, people said, ah, I don't need heated seats. After they had heated seats, you could not sell them a car without heated seats. Mm -hmm. You're pretty much to that point with blind spot monitoring. Now, collision warning, on the other hand, is different. Uh, I am not a fan of collision warning because it's more sensitive than I am willing to be when I'm driving. So I get... You know, I'm not not necessarily even when I'm driving. I mean, there's been times where I've had to stop suddenly because something, a car came out in front of me or whatever, and it was still a very controlled situation, but the car felt like it had to interact, uh, you know, uh, sort of intercept it and break for me. And that is scary. And if you're in a parking lot and you're backing out and you get too close to a vehicle, the car will hit on its brakes oh. because it thinks you're getting too close. I mean, you know, and I'm even thinking of my q5 right now it's very sensitive it's got the parking in the front so when you're backing up it's beeping all the time telling me but it's not something that's behind me it's on the side of me or in front of me so now take yeah. that to the next level where it's just going to stop your car in, in the middle of you know the throughway right uh 
Yeah, I'm also I'm also finding that I'm not as big a fan as I thought I was of adaptive cruise control, which allows the you know which has your car slow down. So instead of you having to cancel cruise because someone's right there. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, Mark, you are going to have to edit that. <laughs> uh, looking at the time, okay. So, oh. So I thought I was a big fan of adaptive cruise control, but it turns out that um, it's really not all it's cracked up to be. So what it does, I mean, it ha it keeps you at such a safe distance. It slows. What adaptive cruise is is it's cruise control, but it will slow you down so you don't always have to cancel and restart if someone comes in front of you. The problem is is that these cars have them set. You and some of the cars you can actually set the distance. But even the shortest distance is too safe of a distance and you're leaving too much of a mm -hmm. gap for people to to then, you know, feel like you're not going fast enough if you're in the passing lane. So I don't wind up using it. I think all of that would work spectacularly if people actually knew how to drive. Well, yeah. See, there's <laughs> the, the, there's that, that there's the yep. rub because whether you got adaptive or you're just using regular cruise control on, on the throughway. How many times can you do you not use it really? Because why are you in the left-hand lane yeah. there, sir? Going You're 60. going sixty. Yeah. No, this is supposed to be at least sixty-five. It's a passing lane, and so until we can get all, because again, we are humans and we are you know fallible. Mm -hmm. Until we can figure out all that stuff, all these other technologies, it's not really going to matter because we're pretty horrible drivers yeah. as it just goes yeah, anyways. Right. right. So guys. I'm gonna do my little uh, my little advertisement here now. Sorry, okay. everybody's subjected to it. How many times have you called the auto dealer and you get a voicemail and no one calls you back and you can't get in for an appointment for days or weeks? Um, I hear that story like all the time from customers yeah. uh, before they start coming to us. At some dealerships, they've just lost sight of what made them big to begin with. So what's your alternative? The alternative is you find a small shop, a family friend who works on cars and is hungry for your business, but with the cars today, these small steps, uh, these small shops may not be able to handle even some of the smallest diagnosis or repairs. Would we all agree on that? Mm -hmm. It's like I'm reading a book. <laughs> How many um, pages is that, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is an answer, my friends, and a lot of people already know it, but there are also a lot who aren't aware that there is a place that gives you the best of the factory dealer repair abilities with the personal touch of the corner garage. I'm Mark Fierbacher, president of Universal Imports, and I would like you to meet Universal Imports. No, that didn't sound right. It sounded like allow myself to introduce myself. Yeah. Um, Do you take a copywriting class here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering. No, seriously. For 35 years, my family has been working really hard to come up with a new way to have customers come in and get their cars repaired and feel comfortable, get the personal touch, be able to call us and not get an answering machine, be able to right away uh, get the right person on the phone the first time, get an appointment when they want the appointment, not when the dealership tells them they can get them an appointment. Um, and then when it comes to car sales, you know, people in general hate going out and buying a car, whether it's new or used, they hate the game. We take the game right out. You come into us, we either have something here that you might be interested in, but most likely you're going to tell us what you're really interested in, and Aaron and myself, we're going to go and find it. And there's no obligation, and you're going to look at the car, and you're going to get to know us personally, and you're going to just feel like you're not even buying a car. It's a whole different experience. I promise you that is what you're going to find when you come to Universal Imports. Jay here has been a customer of mine for a long time and wanted to be on this podcast because he's just so happy with his experience. Oh, here. absolutely. And in all the cars that we've brought through here, and I wanted to let people know too, it's not just imports. Mm -hmm. Right. That's They're true. more than happy to work on others and Anything. they've done a great job of I've had everything from Kias to Tucson's in here to, you know, so, uh, and currently my Infinity, this is where, you know, I don't go to an Infinity dealership. I, I come right here and get it taken care of. So, you know, we're, 
you call us, we'll always be there for you. Never an answering machine. We're always here Monday through Saturday. We take Sunday off, but that's so we can recharge, so we can be back and ready for you on Monday. Um, we really just want you to know that when it comes to anything with your car, sales, service, collision work, restoration work, we want to be your place for everything, even just for advice, hence why we're doing these podcasts. This is just something that we want to do to let people know that we're all about whatever you need for your car, and even if that is just free information, that's what we're all about. We're about building relationships over long periods of time, and the majority of our customers have been coming to us for years and years and years, and the ones that haven't have just started that journey, and they will be coming here for years and years and years. And we hope that you will be the next satisfied Universal Imports customer. Let my family take care of your family's cars. Visit us at universalimports.com. We're in Pittsburgh, New York. And now that we've come to the end of this podcast, and I've done the best I could on that nice little advertisement, but it's truly from the heart, um, we really do thank everybody for listening to this podcast and and uh, share it with friends, share it on Facebook, tell people about it. Um, this is how we're going to grow. I mean, we're going to grow by word of mouth, the same way we grew Universal Imports over 35 years. Uh, we want to give you good content, and we want to hope that you will feel compelled to tell other people about us, and you can visit us at not only universalimports.com, but you can visit us at greaseandglamourpodcast.com. And, of course, you can always email mark at universalimports.com or ekane at universalimports.com. Um, Jay Lawrence, uh, you can email. We have an email for him, uh, but I keep forgetting what uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I was just going to say, sure you can. Um, it's greaseandglamourpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, okay. Oh, thanks for telling so me. Now you got how, many, how many podcasts have we done? <laughs> this will be nine. So yeah. This will be nine. So, <laughs> yeah. So, what, what have you been doing for eight of them before than not telling me what it is? <laughs> or at least even sending me the email that says, oh, here, by the way, this is... I, I check it for you. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, you're censored my material. I see how it is. Oh, that's how she it is. forwards it to me first. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay, so, guys, <laughs> don't email me. It's... It, just to um, end of story, it's not going to work. They're not going to tell me. And your feedback is, is, you know, truly valued. Uh, like Jay says, even if it's not good feedback, it's good to know it because we want to we wanna make this show the best it can possibly be, and we want it to succeed, and we want this to become a new brand within Universal Imports. Um, and even if it's nothing else than a way for you to get to understand the, the idealism and the personalities here at Universal Imports, we have 21 employees all ready to serve you at any time. And um, and again, my door's always open. We're here in Pittsburgh. We hope to see you here. We hope that you continue to listen to the podcast. Uh, download it uh, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts. It's on Spotify, Stitcher, um, and t- you can Google search it and you'll find it. Uh, so... Come join us for the Universal Imports-sponsored Grease and Glamour podcast. You're already joining us, but tell other people to join us. And thank you so much again. And we will see you for Episode 10 coming up in a week. And we will be talking about, is it worth buying a new car, leasing a new car, or purchasing pre-owned? Guess which one I'm going to tell you. Curious. I will. We will try to make that podcast not an, uh, uh, a half hour or hour long advertisement for Universal Imports. But listen, I hope you didn't write it like you wrote the commercial there. Mark. No, <laughs> I'm not going to make any bones about it. Right. You're going to know right away where my heart lies, and it's uh, based on fact. Buying pre-owned is the way to go, but there there are definitely reasons to buy a new car. There's reasons to buy or lease a vehicle and there's reasons to go pre-owned so we're going to try and objectively look at all three and shake them down and and um see what we get until next time i'm mark i'm Aaron, and i'm jay lawrence have a great week <laughs>